You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou Please join me for a word of prayer. Gracious Lord God, I hear the wonderful cooing of a child, and I ask that all of us come to you now with the heart of children ready to learn, ready to trust, ready to be formed by your word and a right understanding of it into the people you wish us to be. Bless us with this gift as we come before your scriptures this day and as we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I'm so glad she's here. Sometime I'm going to tell you what my son did, so you'll never be embarrassed in a pew. (laughs) Today's scripture readings are short, especially after the length of last week's sermon. Some of you are probably going, Uh, my wife informed me that it was full. (laughs) Um, But the shortness of these scriptures is a bit deceptive because I think that we've lost a lot of the meaning in them. It is so common for Christians to think of Jesus as a friend that we've maybe lost how radical it is that he calls us that. Jim, I'm going to take over the remote controls here. Images like this that I used in last week's sermon are so common in Christian culture. We've lost a sense of how shocking Jesus' words would have been to those who heard him. We presume intimacy with God through Jesus Christ as Christians. And we forget how unique it is among world religions. God in Jesus Christ calls us friend. But we, as modern Americans, have largely lost a sense of what friendship means in the deepest sense. In the same way that we have just eviscerated the word love by flattening it down to mere affirmation, so we've lost the depth of meaning in the word friend or friendship, flattening it down to mere companionship. That is not at all, not at all what Jesus is pointing to, or not merely that. As recently as 100 years ago in this valley, going to a one-room schoolhouse where you would probably graduate in sixth grade, you would have been familiar with the works of this man, Cicero. Cicero um, was a favorite philosopher of the American founders. He had been a wonderful servant of the Roman Republic, and when Julius Caesar grabbed a hold of power, centralized authority and became authoritarian, killing many of his rivals. 
Cicero was driven first into, back to his farm and then finally was put to death as Caesar consolidated his power. In that short window between when he was evicted from Rome and when he was killed, he wrote letters and essays to his lifelong friend Atticus, who lived in Greece and was far removed from the political turmoil of the Italian peninsula. One of those that you would have read, I can tell you because it's in the McGuffey Reader, <laughs> that you would have read as a sixth grade graduate was this work, De Amicizia, or On Friendship. It was considered, is considered to this day, one of the greatest works on friendship written by any person of any faith or lack of faith. A deep reflection by a man who had spent a lifetime interacting with other people on what the real nature and meaning of friendship was. And so, because our problem is not with the scriptures today, our problem is with the words of the scriptures, we're going to spend a little time with his reflections on what friendship meant. So we can thicken out again our sense of what friendship meant. So we can really understand what Jesus is getting at here. I'm not going to give you the whole thing. It's actually relatively short. You can read it pretty quickly and you can Google your way to it. It's in the public domain if you want to do that. But here are some of the highlights of what Cicero said about friendship. The first one's pretty, uh, pretty self-evident maybe. Is that everyone agrees it's something worth having. <laughs> You'll never run into someone who says, I really don't want friends. I hope I can get through this life without any. Everyone agrees that having a friend is a worthwhile thing. How about this? That the best kind of friendship, though, is something that is desirable for its own sake. Now, we all, there's lots of different kinds of friendships in a life. You've got a friend, friends that you do business with. Your friendship is cordial. You mutually enrich one another through your business. I've got one business, Joe's got another, and I think to myself, oh, I'll throw Joe some business, he'll throw me some business. That's a good thing, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the same thing as when the five o'clock whistle comes and you say, I think I'll give Joe a call, I wonder if he wants to hang out. We want a different, the second is a deeper level of friendship. The best kinds of friendship are friends that you, it's just you want their time and you want to give them yours. We're lucky in a lifetime if we find enough friends like that to fill a hand. And whether you met them when you were eight or, bet, or met them when you were 80, I bet you can picture their face right now who these people were in your life or are in your life. Eric Samples, I hope you're watching this back home in, in Hummelstown where I grew up. <laughs> Another kind of friendship. Another thing to know about friendship, only good people can really be friends. I don't know if that's ever occurred to you. One of the reasons we're so cautious with one another, why we hide from one another, as I've been talking about in the sermons of the last two weeks, is that we're not sure who wants to genuinely be our friend and who really wants to use us. You actually can't be a friend unless you're a good person. If you're always weighing the calculus of how much you can get out of somebody... You can't be fully available to them as a friend. Requires goodness to be a friend. Friends also make you a better person. And here I don't mean morally. I mean 
We have an instinctive distrust of a person who can't keep and make friends. We know there's something off, something going wrong. They're not functional in some way. And maybe they're dangerous in some way. But having friends, just being available to others in friendship, makes us a better person, makes us healthier emotionally and spiritually. Which is one of the reasons why Christian authors of every century have concluded that the most important part of your spiritual growth, the most important thing for your spiritual growth, is to find a good spiritual friend to walk the path of Christ with. It's not just that they'll give you good advice. It's that you'll be a different kind of person for their companionship and friendship. But of course, having a friend, being a friend, should aid you in virtue not in vice. One of the good things to ask about someone you feel companionable about is, 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 do they make me a better person? It's a good thing to ask, especially before you propose marriage to somebody. We should be aided in our virtues, not our vices by our friendships. My wife and I are huge Jane Austen fans. Uh, a couple of years ago, Gwyneth Paltrow did a uh, version of Emma, the, the book Emma, if you've never read it. Um, wonderful movie. I encourage you to, to stream it when you go home. But in the critical moment, Emma, who's very well placed socially, um, has insulted somebody who is her elder and her social inferior at a public occasion. And her lifelong friend, Mr. Knightley, has to dress her down for it. He chases after her and says, how could you do that to her? How could you put her down in the presence of other people who will be guided by your opinion? It was badly done. And when Emma starts to cry, he says to her, you know, it's not pleasant for me to say these things to you, but I hope that by saying them, I will prove myself a faithful friend. Trusting that sometime in the future you will do my faith in you more justice than you did it today. That kind of correction can only come from someone who truly loves us and wants us to become what they know we were made to be and are not acting like at the moment. So we need to be able to receive that kind of counsel. And that kind of friendship will make an indelible mark on us the kind of people who can speak into your life in that way and who you feel comfortable revealing your life to in that way will make a mark on you that never fades. This is why, I mean, one of the more famous lines from his, from his essay, Cicero wrote this, even when a friend is absent, he's still present. Writing that to his friend Atticus, who has never joined him in Rome, but had been a constant presence as he served in the Roman Senate at his side. So what does all this have to do with Jesus? Let's apply the common wisdom, the common grace, as a Reformed theologian would, would call it, of Cicero's insights into friendship, into what Jesus is saying about us being friends of him. First of all, everyone agrees it is a worthwhile thing to be friends with Jesus. This is true even of people who do not call Jesus Lord and Savior. 
Voltaire was a very famous atheist who helped pave the intellectual way for the French Revolution. And he said, you know, I hope my neighbors believe in God because maybe I'll get cheated less often and maybe they won't seduce my wife. At a recent debate uh, between a very famous atheist and a very famous Christian apologist out in L.A., the atheist had just gotten done making his case for why he thought that you could be a good person without believing in God. And the, uh, the Christian apologist responding as a Reformed theologian said, well, I can agree with that. You might be able to figure out how to be a good person, but that's very different from being motivated to be a good person. He said, they were, where they were holding the debate was in a, in a bad district. It was a fairly big venue, but it was surrounded by not good neighborhoods in Los Angeles. And he said, he said to the, the atheist, he said, you know, let me ask you a question. If on your way to the airport tonight after our debate, your car broke down in one of these neighborhoods surrounding us, and as you got out of the car to try and change that flat tire, you suddenly saw four or five big guys in leather and torn jeans coming to you like, toward you like this. He said, would it make a difference to you to know they just came out of a Bible study? <laughs> the atheist had to agree that it would have made a difference. <laughs> so everyone agrees that it is a worthwhile thing to have friendship with Christ even if you're only looking at him as a moral exemplar. But that's not what Jesus calls us to look at him as. He's offering us something far deeper. How about the best friendship is desirable for its own sake? This is the path of Christian maturity. Sure, we come to Christ to be forgiven of our sins. That's something Christ does for us. God reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. But that's not where the spiritual journey ends for Christians. That's where it begins. We're to grow in our relationship with God till we value our relationship with Jesus for Jesus' own sake. I love one of my professors at Howard University when I taught down there um, shared with us a saying from his own tradition of Christianity where they would say, um, you know, we want to we value God and ask God to give us His face, not merely His hands. We want to know the love of God in Jesus Christ so that it is just enough to be with Him even when He's not doing anything for us. We also need to know that since only good people can be true friends, here's where the equation gets unbalanced. Because as we normally confess throughout the year, we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. Or as we've been saying during Lent, we are most unworthy sinners, meriting only God's wrath. The goodness is all on Jesus' side. Here's the good news. He doesn't keep it to Himself. He has come to share it with us. Redeeming us, yes, while we were yet sinners, but not redeeming us in our sins. He redeems us from our sins. He buys us back. So He can teach us to be the kind of pe person that He is in terms of character. So that as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, which is what we call discipleship, we learn from His goodness to be a better and truer friend to Him. 
even as he has been a true friend to us in our need. And of course, that friendship makes us a better person. Being, having our lives open, an open book to someone else in the person of Jesus Christ who knows everything about us is going to make us a better friend to all the people around us. The spiritual journey is the Spirit comes down in and through us and goes out through us to the world. You cannot tell the good news you have not heard. You certainly can't tell it in a way that will convict anybody to believe it too. And of course, Jesus' friendship aids us in our virtue, not our vices. It is unpleasant to hear some of the things God's Word convicts us of. It's not fun to hear, but it is good for us to hear so that we might, in Mr. Knightley's words, do his faith in us more justice than we do when we sin that we might grow in grace, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Friendship with Jesus Christ. Friendship with God through Jesus Christ is unique in all the world's faith. All the religions of the world. This is a picture of the second largest religion in the world at prayer. This is how most of us picture Muslims. This is a mosque in uh, Seattle, I believe. Submission is what the word Islam means. A Muslim is to regard their relationship with God as one of slave to master. Maybe servant to master. But, but it's actually slave. <laughs> this is something we share with them. Christians begin our Christian journey by surrendering to God. Not a little. We don't surrender some. We surrender all. But once we have surrendered, Jesus looks at us and says, I call you servants no longer. For I'm going to tell you, I am telling you, everything that the Father has told me. The servant doesn't know what the Master is doing. The servant has no permanent place in the household. From our position of submission, we are lifted to our feet to rise and serve God, as we say in our Eucharistic prayers, as His priestly people. He has made us His friends. Which is why the universal image of Christians at prayer is not the prostration, although Christians all over the world do that. Lutherans did it until fairly recently. But the universal image picture of a Christian at prayer. The earliest artwork and frescoes and um, why do I always forget these names? The word, what are they called those little things that are made out of little stones? Pictures. Mosaics. Thank you. I will never remember that word. I don't know what it is. These early pictures all picture Christians doing one thing. This. Sharing the Lord's Supper. The Eucharist. The Holy Communion. Whatever word you prefer to call it by. And here's Christians of six different traditions sharing it in different ways. But the thing that made Christian worship unique in all the world 
was the intimacy with which we encounter God. That God calls us friends and not merely servants. That at the table of His grace, where in obedience to His command, we come and remember His death. He comes to that table too, but comes, as He says very clearly in the Last Supper, not to be served, but to serve. He serves us at that table with His very presence, giving to us the riches of His grace and His own life. By the way, can you guess who the Lutherans are up here? Upper right. <laughs> As we share what it is that Jesus has commanded us to share, He makes Himself present and gives it a mighty gift to us, an intimate gift. I'm going to share with you now um, an example of this uh, from a show called The Chosen. If you haven't been watching this, on, it's only available streaming. I encourage you to go home and do it. It's wonderful. There's a lot of critical reviews of it on YouTube. Um, theologians nitpicking, which is what theologians like to do. Um, I think they're kind of missing the point. This is meant to be Christ-honoring, not dissecting it's not trying to be critical. It's trying to show us these early, especially the early followers of Jesus as real people and help us get involved in their lives. In the scene I'm going to show you, which was recommended to me by my wife, so I'm going to give her full credit for being smarter than I am in this regard. Um, we're going to see Mary Magdalene. Freed of the demons that plagued her, now a respectable woman keeping a house getting ready to celebrate her first Shabbat meal, Sabbath meal. Um, for those of you joining us online, it's going to look a little gray. I had to lighten up the video so it would show better here in our sanctuary. Um, if you have a little trouble understanding them because uh, the accents are, because they're speaking low, it's going to have subtitles. I want you to pay attention to two things. First of all, the intimacy of the setting. Second of all, the prayers they use because it looks just like our offertory prayer that we use all throughout Lent. It's modeled on the Jewish prayers of Shabbat. So, I encourage you to look. The house we built. The prayers we speak. But it is Christ Himself who is present by His grace, as He has promised to be when we do this in remembrance of Him. Renewing the covenant of our salvation that indelible mark that He has put upon us. Strengthening us in His grace that we might be more faithfully His people and grow to be more like Him in character. We believe what Jesus will teach us and we'll go through this text in detail in August. That He is truly present in the meal he commanded us to celebrate in his memory. Jesus told us in today's gospel that we are his friends if we abide in his commands. When we do this, when we gather and share what he has given us to gather and share, 
It is true what Cicero said. Even when a friend is absent, he is still present. Powerfully present for us and for our salvation. Friendship with Jesus Christ means Him being our companion every day of our lives and especially present to us in the meal He commanded us to celebrate in His honor and memory until that time when He can greet us in glory and take our hands in His own nail-pierced ones and say to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord God, we know that you are in Christ reconciling the world to yourself. We know that as he has taken upon us, taken upon himself our flesh, that he has indeed intercedes for us now as our great high priest and we can approach him for he knows what it is like for us to be tempted in everything we are tempted though he was without sin. But we are especially grateful that in him, most high God, you have condescended to be with us and call us not merely your servants, barking commands at us, even if they're commands for our own good, but calling us friends, forever breaking our isolation, joining us as our companion in our pilgrimage on earth, drawing us into the deep waters of friendship with you until we are with you in glory. Bless us, O Lord, to faithfully return to your table again and again that we might faithfully live as friends of the world for which you gave your life. And this we ask in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. My vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, that.